Thank you for listening to the FBH podcast. For more information about our church, feel free to visit www.fbhanford.org. Well, good morning, church. My name is Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor at First Baptist Hanford. We're so glad you joined us today. Uh, We want to start a little bit differently today. I actually want to start by talking a little bit about uh, the state of our world. Um, As I simply just look out into the world, into media outlets, social media, mainstream media, whatever it may be, um, there's just a lot of hurt happening right now. And uh, the hurt could be from people who have died from COVID-19, people who have died from racist acts perpetuated upon them, or even the chaos that has been uh, ensuing in all of our states because of the, the racial injustice that is found uh, in our world. Our world is in chaos right now and our world hurts. And I want you to know that uh, this is systemic. This is systemic of the enemy. This is systemic of Satan. And Satan is so excited to be able to see our world burn because Christians have decided in a lot of cases to draw up lines politically rather than draw up lines based on what scripture and the gospel says regarding how we are supposed to interact with these occurrences. And my heart hurts because of that. But Satan delights in that fact. It's a good time for us to remember John 16, It says this. It says, I've told you these things. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. So that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. See, 2020 is going to be remembered for being a year of turmoil, a year of unrest, a year of pandemic, a year of racial tension, a year when the church needs to stand up and love people in the name of Jesus. Not just in principle, not just say, I believe in Jesus, but by showing that we believe in Jesus. You know, if you find yourself going to a news site or find yourself going to Facebook to determine how it is that we should be responding to the state of our world rather than going to your Bible, rather than petitioning uh, the Holy Spirit, then I would encourage you to turn off your TV, to get off Facebook, and look to what God says regarding injustice. I'd encourage you to stop talking, and I'd encourage you to listen. I'd encourage you to stop assuming and learn. I would encourage you to get out of your own way and do your best to listen to the sanctifying voice of the Holy Spirit as we look out into a world that is completely and totally burning. I don't think it's a mistake that we're in this series as a church. You know, I try to outline my series really far in advance, and I actually outlined this series all the way back in February. That's before Easter, that's before the pandemic, that's obviously before this racial unrest that we're experiencing as a nation right now. So it's before all of this. But as I look to this time and where we're at, each and every week is lining up perfectly to what God would have us understand regarding our world and what his word actually says about it. And I'll be the first to admit that I've not educated myself enough regarding the hurt that the black community is currently feeling. I haven't educated myself enough to the hurt that the black community has been feeling for a long time. And I'll also admit that I've never deeply searched my heart to see how how I can be a better advocate for those people who don't have a voice. 
whether that's against injustices done to people of color, whether that's injustices done to the orphaned, to the widowed, to the forgotten, whatever it may be, I haven't done a good enough job of figuring out what the Spirit would like me to do on God's behalf regarding those injustices. Can I just say even that having the courage to stand up here and talk with you all about that as a leader is incredibly difficult. And not just, not just searching my own heart, but, but looking at the state of the world, looking at our incredibly broken world. It's difficult to stand up here and have that conversation because I have to start with knowing that as a leader, I don't have all the answers. And I have to be okay with that fact. But as a pastor, I'm expected to know that our hope is found in Jesus and Christ alone. And I don't look out at this destitute world. And, and honestly, I'm completely and total, totally overwhelmed by not having an answer. So I look back to scripture. I search my heart. And I plead with the Holy Spirit to direct me. You know, when Christ walked the earth, he was known as an advocate for those uh, whose society left behind. Regardless of why they were left behind, he was their advocate. Jesus didn't place, bl- didn't place blame. Jesus wasn't angry with them. Jesus oftentimes simply sat down and had a conversation with them. Now I'm reminded of the story of the woman at the well, who was a complete and total social outcast, a woman who was of a different race, a woman who was of a different socioeconomic status, a woman, a woman who was living in sin, and Jesus simply sat down and offered her a better way of life. He offered her the ability to follow him and to be quenched by his living water so she would thirst no more. You know, in our text today, we see that Jesus has sent someone to be an advocate as he no longer physically resides on earth. He sent someone who he said would be better than him being physically manifest on earth. Think about that for a second. I know oftentimes I tend to think that, hey, if Jesus was just walking right next to me right now, it would be so much better for me. It would be so much better. I wouldn't sin as much. I wouldn't think some of the thoughts that I think. I wouldn't do some of the things that I do because Jesus is standing right there. But Jesus actually says, no, this person that I am sending you that will come after me is going to be better for you in the long run. And I hope you're like me at this point in time, someone who is desperately searching themselves, trying to make sense of the state of our world. Someone who's, who's asking God to show them what it is that we should do in a time such as this, a time that's full of fear, a time that's full of anger, when injustices are still being perpetrated, when freedoms are still being stripped, when it's almost impossible to look at the state of our world and find hope. What is it that I am supposed to do at this point? How is it that I should respond to a world that is burning? And my assumption is that this really is the same way that the disciples felt when Jesus told them that he was going to leave. It's the text we're going to be dealing with today, but I want to paint a little bit of a picture for you. These guys, these people, all of his followers, they had been following Jesus for three years. A lot of them had given up their jobs. They had left their family. We know for a fact the apostle Peter was married. And so Peter left his wife, left his home, left his livelihood to simply follow Jesus for three years. 
And now Jesus is about to sit down with them. He's sitting down with them in this story and telling them, hey, look, I'm going to leave now. Everything that you've grown accustomed to over the course of the last three years, it's all going to change because I'm going to leave. But in my place, I'm going to send somebody else. So there had to be so much unrest on the, on the behalf of the disciples for them to feel like, I, like this is my world, this is normalcy, we're going around, we're overthrowing the establishment. Man, Jesus, just like, like I saw you raise people from the dead and now you're telling me it's going to be better for you to leave? It's going to be better for me to go back to like my mundane life of fishing? Like that's, that's going to be better for me? So the disciples had to feel just unrest that their entire world was completely and totally falling apart. So our text from the Holy Spirit or regarding the Holy Spirit today comes when he is, Jesus is preparing to leave. And I believe the text is an important one regarding how it is we're supposed to weigh and measure our own actions today. Like I said last week, as conservative Baptists, we hold a high view of scripture, which is a great thing. And we're going we're gonna to see how holding a high view of scripture needs to remain in tandem with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus talks to his disciples here, starting in John chapter 14, verse 23. It says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and he will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the father who sent me. So in the first part of our passage today, Jesus says that if you love him, you'll obey his teaching. Where can we find his teaching today? Good answer, the Bible. So if you love him, you will listen to him. This goes beyond morality though. I think at some point in time, people mistook the Bible for just being a book of rules regarding morality. This is more than follow the 10 commandments. This isn't just how to to treat people nicer and give part of your income. Those aren't all of Jesus' teachings. Jesus' teachings are more than behavior modification. You know, if you're, if you're reading scripture to figure out how to be nicer and how to have a, a magic bullet to get rid of your addiction, you're reading scripture wrong. That's not what scripture is about. You're not obeying all of Christ's teachings then. You're only obeying teachings that help you become a better person. And that's not what the Bible is about. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The Bible is not about you. The Bible is about God and his redemptive story for us. Not once does Jesus say, go into the world and be a better person. He says, go into the world and make disciples of all nations. He never sent us into the world without instructions on how to accomplish that though. It's here for us. He tells us starting in verse 25 of the same chapter, it says, all this I've spoken while still with you. He's talking about the teachings, right? But the advocate, that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. And I will remind you of everything that I have said to you. He says, look, everything that I've taught you, everything that I said while I was with you, everything that we read in Scripture today will be reminded to us when we need it. How? Because the Holy Spirit is coming. The Father is going to send the Spirit in the name of Jesus to teach us all things. So we have to hold two things in tension here. We have to recognize that in this case, there are two truths that are both equal at the same time. We need to read Jesus' word and obey his word, right? It's an important one for us. 
Like I said, we hold a, a high value of scripture. And so because of that, we need to read and listen and obey his word. And at the same time, we need to listen to the spirit who is continuing to do a work in us for us to be able to, to, be able to become more and more sanctified. For us to be able to become more and more holy. That's what that word means, sanctified. So obeying the word of God goes beyond morality to relying on his spirit for how to live in such a way that the world will know that we're Christians by our love, not by our morality. Reading scripture and listening to the spirit need to be done equally. Why? If we rely too much on the word of God, and don't listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, you will become rigid and legalistic. Jesus becomes a checkmark at that point. We'll become rigid when it comes to other people, especially because your faith becomes kind of a checklist of your morality. I read my Bible today. Followed the Ten Commandments today. So if we only read scripture apart from listening to the Holy Spirit, we're going to become legalistic. If you rely too heavily on the Holy Spirit and ignore the word of God, there are times you won't be able to discern between the Spirit and your own sinful nature. And so what's going to happen is you will act on your own account rather on the account of the Holy Spirit. How do we know, though, the teachings of God? How do we obey, rather, the teachings of God? You read his word and you listen to his Spirit. That's what Jesus is telling them here. He's saying, hey, look, read the word. Listen to my teachings. Obey my teachings. And also, I'm going to send you my spirit to remind you of all things. We also need to note that in verse 26, Jesus says that you will be taught all things. He's not saying, hey, look, you're going to know everything in the world. You're going to be great at the Pythagorean theorem and how to write uh, an essay that allows people to be able to know all the things. I was an English teacher. Great. He's not saying you're going to teach you everything in the world. He's, going to, he's saying, I'm going to teach you all things that you need to know as you obey my, re- as you obey my teachings. That's what he's telling, that's, that's what he's talking about here. So again, we have this system, we have this tension that is held between the word of God and the work of the Holy Spirit. They work in tandem with one another and they are never at odds with one another. Why? Well, it, because as we established last week, the Holy Spirit is both God and unchangeable. The Holy Spirit is God and one of God's attributes is immutability is what it's called. That's the theological word. It's just a fancy word for saying that God does not change. So if the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit has the same attributes as God, that means he is unchanging. So in the Bible are the unchanging words of the Holy Spirit. They're the unchanging words of God and an unchanging God never contradicts himself. He won't do it. So be aware that if someone is preaching hate, from the word of God, they are acting outside of the Holy Spirit because the Bible teaches about loving our neighbor. And if someone is telling people that the Holy Spirit came upon them and told them something contrary to the Bible, we can guarantee that that person's words are false doctrine because the Holy Spirit would never contradict himself in the first place. And on the heels of these verses... 
regarding sending of the Holy Spirit and, and obeying the commands that Jesus taught, on the heels of these things, Jesus comforts his disciples by saying something that honestly I wasn't going to include today, but as I was preparing, I just felt like the Holy Spirit said, you know what, look at the state of the world. Continue with that passage. Continue with the conversation that Jesus has with his disciples. So I believe, I honestly do believe that the Holy Spirit wants this to be shared. In John 14, 27, it says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I think this needs to be included today. Because as we search our hearts, as we petition the Holy Spirit to change us, as change is happening faster than our world can process, than any of us can process, in the same way that change is happening at this time to the disciples faster than they could process. And Jesus tells them, look, I'm leaving you. But as I'm leaving you, I'm leaving you with an advocate and also I'm leaving you with peace. He's saying, look, I know what I'm doing. I've got this under control. I have already conquered this world, so I leave you with peace. He says, I've taught you. I'm leaving someone with you who's going to remind you how to stay obedient to my word. Now have peace knowing that you have everything that you could possibly need. Do not be troubled. Do not be afraid. What I offer is greater than anything the world could ever offer any of you. The world offers temporal solutions. The world offers, offers nothing but death and destruction and despair. But Christ, but Jesus, offers us peace because he's not of this world. The minute we begin to solve this world's problems with this world's solution and neglect to include scripture or the work of the Holy Spirit, we're only adding to the chaos. When the church's responsibility is to be peacemakers in the world who offer love on behalf of the Lord through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's our responsibility. The question then becomes, what is the work of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit gives us everything we need to live a holy life through our knowledge of him. And the responsibility of the believer is to go and make disciples. In the first chapter in the book of Acts, it's, it's 1.8. It says this, but you will receive power. This is Jesus talking. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. That's Jesus' battle cry for the early church. That's Jesus saying, hey, look, this is your responsibility. First, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. If you are someone who has placed your faith in Christ, you have received the Holy Spirit. So at this point, what is the believer supposed to do? You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses throughout the world, is what this is saying. Our responsibility is to be witnesses to Christ in the, how, in the power of the Holy Spirit, which brings us full circle. Because the way that we react to injustice, the way that we react to depravity, the way that we react to stripped freedoms, and most importantly, the way that we react to sin in other people's lives is how you are bearing witness to Christ's work in your life. It's not calling it out in somebody else's, it's starting with yourself. 
and saying, what am I doing to bear witness to Christ in the midst of the chaos that we currently call our world? We'll get into the signs of the Holy Spirit kind of being active in your life in the next few weeks. But if you know nothing else about the Holy Spirit, if you know nothing else about the Holy Spirit, know this. We are called to be witnesses of Christ once he has come upon us. Not once you're more educated. Not once you've gone to 15 Bible studies. Not once you can, you can, you can read your Bible from front to back in a year without giving up halfway through. None of those things. Once the Holy Spirit has come upon you, it's our responsibility to bear witness to Christ. We're called to put our Christianity above everything else, above race, above political affiliation, above family, above friends, above everything else, because us witnessing about Christ is so important that everything else should simply become secondary. That was Christ's message. That's a hard message for us to be able to swallow. So what we have to get after today is how are you witnessing about what Jesus has done in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit to the very ends of the earth? How are you doing that? How are you currently doing that? I know times are precarious. I get it. I get emails about it every week, as a matter of fact. I know times are precarious. I know this entire thing feels heavy. And I know that our responsibility as a church is a large one. But we need to understand that our responsibility as Christians is a large one. When you said yes to Jesus, you said yes to everything that comes along with living a life that is a reflection of him. And with this, I want to take a second to talk about our church. By now you've heard our church is going to be reopening its doors on June 28th which I'm incredibly excited about. Preaching to an empty room is terrible. But I'm incredibly excited to reopen our doors on June 28th. Now for some of you, June 28th is about four months too late. And I get that. For others of you, June 28th is about four months too early. And I get that. But regardless of where you fall on that spectrum regarding how smart or stupid our leadership is as a church, I think we need to remember our role in this life. Jesus tells his disciples in the Great Commission to go into the nations. He tells his disciples in Acts to be witnesses to who he is. He says, hey, look, start in Jerusalem. Start locally. And then he says, hey, then go into Judea which think countywide or statewide, if you will, and then Samaria, which to them really is all the way to the ends of the earth. He says, go. And so as you may be frustrated, and no one is more frustrated by us having to close the church than I am. And so you may be frustrated the church doors are closed right now, but this is what I would ask of you. I would ask of you to, to take a second to look at Scripture to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, okay, regardless of the fact that the church doors are closed, what am I doing to bear witness to Christ in the world? How is my testimony, how is my witness putting a spotlight on injustices that shouldn't be there? How is my witness, how is my testimony 
putting a spotlight on Jesus and bringing the good news to them. How was my witness the same as Jesus's when he met the woman at the well? And he said to her, hey, look, I'm living water. You drink of me, you'll thirst no more. Are we having those conversations? Are we bearing witness to people in the same way and saying, hey, look, I know this guy, his name is Jesus. This is what he has done in my life. And the good news is the church doors don't have to be open for any of us to do that. And so I beg of you, plead of you, as the world continues to descend into chaos, this isn't news to us. We know that this is going to happen. But as our world continues to descend into chaos, turn off your TV, turn off social media, and put your nose in the word of God and begin to petition the Holy Spirit as to how we as Christians are supposed to bear witness by the power of the Holy Spirit to the entire world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Father, I pray that you would continue to do a work in our lives. That you would continue to allow us to see the rough parts of our lives that you need to sand down, that your spirit needs to sand down, that we need to continue to become more holy. That if we've said yes to you yesterday for the first time or 70 years ago for the first time, that we would be willing to petition you through your word, that we'd be willing to petition the Holy Spirit as well and say, God, show me my blind spots so I can bear witness to you, so I can testify regarding who you are. Father, I pray for our world, specifically our country today. God, that is just descending into chaos. that as far back as I can remember, I don't ever remember it being this bad. That there are schisms wherever schisms can be drawn. That there is tension wherever tension can be found. That people are completely and totally on edge and are searching for an answer. God, I pray you would make your church bold that they would recognize that they have an answer. That it doesn't fall on party lines. That it doesn't fall to one skin color. God, that we are all your kids and that you sent your son for all of us. Which means it's our responsibility then as a church a church who wants to follow you, a church who wants to honor you, it's our responsibility to make your son's name known through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would help us make him known. And if you're new with us for the first time today, or maybe you just, The Holy Spirit is prompting you now to say that, you know, it's time for you to say yes to God. It's time for you to say yes to Jesus that you've been holding out or you're looking at the chaos of the world and trying to figure out what, what our response should be to any of this.
you're saying, you know what, my response needs to be yes to Jesus, then I would just ask you to pray along with me and just say, Father, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, that I'm broken, that my sin is no worse than anybody else's sin, but I'm broken. And I believe, though, Father, that you sent your son to die on a cross on my behalf to mend that brokenness. That he would be our hope. Because of the fact that he conquered death, that he's conquered this world. And beyond that, that that as he left, he sent an advocate in his place to be able to live inside of us, to take up dwelling inside of us. So we would have everything that we needed in order to bear witness to who you are. I believe that, Father. And see, I would choose to follow you every single day. And sometimes choosing to follow you means having really hard conversations with ourselves. Having really hard conversations with the Holy Spirit. And saying, Spirit, show me where I'm falling short. Show me, if I have blind spots, show them to me so I can better bear witness to who your son is and what he has done in my life. Show me. Father, I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for your word, and I'm so thankful for the advocate that you sent. We love you. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.